Hey, Pray Chapel family, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this is Omar here. And this message you're about to listen to is from our midweek service with Pastor Rob Santiago. We're still on our series, I'm Feeling. So this message is called, I Am Feeling Abandoned. We hope you are encouraged, hope you're blessed. Enjoy this. Good evening, Praise Chapel. I'm so excited to be here with you guys tonight. And I'm even more excited that we're finally going to be opening up our church doors on, uh, on the 7th. I'm just thanking God for that. Uh, it feels like forever that I've been able to talk with you, shake some hands. And, you know, I just miss seeing everybody. And, and, uh, and I'm just excited. I'm just really excited for what God is doing, how God has challenged us through this time. And I really want to talk to you a, a bit about that. Uh, because I know that a lot of us had felt during this time a little bit of a loneliness and abandonment. And that's what I really want to speak to you tonight on. I've, I've spent the past week just kind of preparing for this message. And I want to start off with just, just some prayer before I get into it. So if you could just lift your hands with me at home. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just anoint this sermon, Lord, that your words would be used, Father God, not my words. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to prepare those that are watching, that they would hear your voice and not mine, Father, that you would speak to them and not me, Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit would dwell in every household that is watching right now, Father, and we honor you and we invite you into this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember when I began my Christianity. I began to seek God. And, and one of the decisions that I had to make early on in my Christianity was, was to kind of leave my friends. My friends were not a, a good example to what I was doing in my, or where I was going in my life with God and my spirituality. And, and it really came down to me making a decision to kind of separate myself. And I slowly begin to tear that band-aid away. I slowly begin to just uh, kind of drift away from them and they begin to notice it. I wouldn't go out on Friday nights with them anymore. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do all these things that I used to do with them. And, and in reality, it started to hurt a bit. I began to, to get lonely and I, 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 I wouldn't hang out with them. I'd see that they were hanging out with people. I get text messages. I get questioned at school like, hey, where are you, you know, what's going on? How come you're not hanging out with us anymore? And little did they know that I was actually feeling the pain of that. I missed them. I felt abandoned. And I remember asking myself, did I make the right decision? Did I truly make the right decision to separate myself from my friends? And I begin to cry out to God and I say, God, I left everything. I, I, I've changed my life. I've, I've left my friends that were a bad influence. And, and I would cry out to him and I wouldn't feel anything. I wouldn't feel strengthened. I wouldn't feel you know, uh, different. I'd still feel sad and a little depressed. And it was an adjustment period that I had to go through in my own life. And I started to read about this man named Tim Hansel. He started this program called the Summit Expedition. And in the Summit Expedition, he called it the Wilderness Ministry. And he would take kids around the age of 18, like about when I got saved, and he would take them and he would go on these summit retreats where they would do hiking, fishing, and camping. And he said a lot of the kids he found out started to begin to, to share with them the loneliness. So he started to share with them about Jesus and his goodness. And so these kids would, would come back from this retreat, this summit expedition, and they would come back changed. And he said one thing, he said this quote, a lot of the kids began to talk about their loneliness. And they would tell their parents about their loneliness. So parents started to sign up for the program. 
So now they had not only children, but adults and, and teenagers, adults, going on these programs, going on these summits. And what began to take place was a, a radical change. The ministry was extremely successful with these summit expeditions. And Tim Hansel wrote this. I'm going to share two quotes. Here's the first quote he said. He said, loneliness is not the same as being alone. Loneliness is feeling alone. No matter how many people around are around you, it is a feeling of being disconnected, unplugged, left outside, and isolated. See, sometimes we feel like that even in our own church. Sometimes we feel like that even with our own, uh, our own friends. And we feel like that sometimes even with God. We feel that he's abandoned us. We feel lonely. And even when it comes to spirituality, like in my scenario that I shared with you, once we start to leave our friends and we start to insert God, we can really begin to feel lonely. Um, but I feel like these feelings, I know that these feelings can be temporary. I know that God has given us strength to overcome these feelings that are, that are distractions in our life. And, and Tim Hansel also said this. He said, pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. We cannot avoid pain, but we can avoid joy. I want to say that again. We cannot avoid pain, but we can avoid joy. If there's one thing I've learned in the past two years is that I can choose what I feel. I can cry out to God and say, God, I don't want to feel lonely anymore. God, I don't want to feel like you're not there. God, I don't, want to, I don't want to feel these feelings of anxiety or these feelings of depression anymore. I want to feel your joy, Lord. I want to feel your comfort, your peace. And sometimes I think we get away from that. The feelings become so insurmountable that they take over, especially the feeling of abandonment. But we can choose that joy, that joy to come over our life, to, to come over that circumstance and to bury any of those negative feelings that we can have. I've been watching this series on ESPN about Michael Jordan. It's now over, but it was 10 episodes called The Last Dance. And he talked about mental toughness. And so I began to look up the definition of what mental toughness really is. And really, it's kind of scattered. But here's a good definition of mental toughness. is the ability to resist, manage, and overcome doubts, worries, concerns, and circumstances that prevent you from succeeding or excelling at a task or towards an objective or a performance outcome that you have set to achieve. Now, when I think about mental toughness, I think about Michael Jordan. I think about those guys that can rise up against pain. Because they chose to. I could think about, when I think about mental toughness, I think about the battles that I've had internally in my own mind. The battles of abandonment, loneliness, you know, anxiety, and how I can shift that because of God. So it went beyond mental toughness for me. And I want us to replace that word mental, or that phrase mental toughness with spiritual toughness. Because I believe spiritual toughness is where you take the mental toughness, but you add an ingredient of faith. And I think sometimes we forget that we can add that ingredient on anything. You can add faith onto any circumstance. And that could be your source. That could be the main taste that you get of that, of that circumstance. And I really think that sometimes you need to declare it. That declaration needs to take place. Because I know the feelings are telling us you're sad. The feelings are telling us no one cares. The feelings are telling us you are lonely or you are abandoned, or God does not listening and he doesn't care about you. All those feelings begin to speak. And they're no longer feelings, but now in your own mind, they've become a reality. 
And we all know that that's not true. And what you need to do is fight that with spirituality. Fight that with faith. That's the ingredient to success, is fighting that, those feelings with faith. See, your feeling of abandonment is not an excuse in lacking spirituality. Just because you feel abandoned, just because you feel that God is not listening to you, it should not be an excuse for you to lack spirituality in your life. In other words, you should be wanting more of God. You should be chasing more of him. Your feeling of abandonment isn't an excuse to avoid going to church. I know in my own life, I've struggled with this early on in my Christianity. I, feel, I, I told God, you know what? You're not with me. Therefore, I'm not going towards you. Or God, I, you know, you're not, I'm feeling abandoned right now. Why should I go to church? Why should I go try to do these things for you when you're not doing anything for me? And that's the negative part of the relationship. That's completely false, that type of thinking. See, with that type of thinking, the only thing that's going to happen is that you're going to feel even more abandoned and even more lonely. In other words, you're not, at, you're not adding the ingredient of faith there. So I want to take a moment and talk about three people in the Bible that kind of give us some, 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 some context to what I'm talking about. See, I want to talk about Jeremiah. Now, let me speak about Jeremiah just really briefly. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet in the Old Testament. And he was a prophet during the time of the Assyrian invasion. And what happened in that vision, the temple began to get destroyed, and the Babylonians are starting to rise up. So Israel is seeing no chance of victory in, in sight. They've already been taken over by the Assyrians, and now they're about to be taken over again by the Babylonians. And their temple's been destroyed. It's on its way of just being taken over. And, and Jeremiah has been given this opportunity to speak the love of God, to be the oracle and the voice of God during this time of, tor of, to of torment for the Israelites. And really what ends up taking place is that he's known as the weeping prophet because, believe it or not, Jeremiah complains a lot. And we're going to read one of his complaints. But what I want you to get, church, is that he's complaining about something pretty serious. His emotions are extremely strong. But through those emotions, you could see he still has faith. Now, I want you, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 21. And we're going to start in verse 10. Or sorry, verse 11. It says this, but the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So he starts off pretty good. The Lord is with me like a mighty warrior in verse 11. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. And their dishonor will never be forget, forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them. He's talking about their enemies. For to you I have committed my cause. In other words, he's saying, Lord, you are everything. You're going to get us out of all of this. But I have committed to the cause. I have committed myself to this cause despite any feelings. Now let's continue to read in verse 13. He says, sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Cursed by the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Now he takes this turn. He takes a heavy shift. In other words, he started off really positive. He started off taking over. And he says, just because I have God, we cannot be defeated. But he's struggling internally. And now he's saying in verse 14, I'm going to read it again. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man uh, cursed be the man who brought my father the news 
who made him very glad, saying, a child is born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew throughout, without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning and a battle cry at noon. For he did not kill me in the womb. With my mother is my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Now you're probably wondering, what the heck is going on there? See, Jeremiah had faith, but he's struggling internally at the same time. He's having thoughts of suicide. I can only imagine that he's probably feeling alone. The Bible tells us, and, and a lot of theologians tell us that people began to reject the voice of Jeremiah. In other words, he didn't have the authority that he once had because he had these feelings and because of what was happening around the situation. The fact that the Israelites were being taken over and the temple was being destroyed was enough for them to say, you know what, Jeremiah? We don't want to hear it. And Jeremiah began to feel lonely throughout this. Jeremiah cried out for God and to God and he still remained faithful. See, church, we can have these feelings, but they shouldn't affect your faith. See, these feelings that we have are sometimes part of the process, the process of growth in our own spiritual life. And yeah, we may look at it and say, I don't want to feel that way. But at the same time, when we ask God, I want more of you, there's got to be a sense of, of begging that takes place. And sometimes it takes a situation or a feeling to put you on your knees to say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm feeling your strength. God, I'm feeling that you're going to get me out of this situation. See, Jeremiah couldn't trust his friends. He felt that sometimes God abandoned him and deceived him. His life was painful and even wished he hadn't been born. That's what the text tells us. But Jeremiah continues the battle. If you continue to read that book, he continues the battle. And eventually, the Israelites, if you know the history, get to come back. And they rebuild that temple. And it was because of Jeremiah's faithfulness, not his feelings, but because of Jeremiah's faithfulness that all of this has taken place. I want to talk to you about the second person I admire very much in Scripture, and that's Paul. The Apostle Paul felt abandoned. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9-16, through 16, if you know the history of the Apostle Paul, you know for a fact that Paul's been through a lot. Through his three missionary journeys, Paul's felt a lot of persecution. But the worst of them all, I truly believe, was the fact that he felt loneliness. Not physical pain, but loneliness. And in 2 Timothy, he writes to Timothy who he loves, who he looked at as a son. He writes to him some specific instructions that we're about to read. But these instructions, I want you to catch it because Paul's like kind of slipping in how lonely he really is. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved his world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Verse 14 says, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposes our message. But now look at verse 16. This is my main point. At my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Now look what he says. May it not be held against them. See, Paul understands the process. 
Paul understands, yeah, you know, I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling deserted, church. But he understands, you know what? God's going to take care of that. And I think sometimes we need to shift our, our minds to say, yes, I'm in this circumstance. Yes, I have these feelings of loneliness and abandonment, but I know that the Lord is going to take care of this. That on the other side of the tunnel, I'm going to have that joy. Joy. Probably one of the biggest things that we need to chase. But I just read to you that sometimes we choose not to have joy. As a matter of fact, we choose to get away from joy. We sometimes choose and, and say, you know what, subconsciously, I'd rather feel lonely. I've been in a place before in my own life where I started to feel sorry for myself. And I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to keep these feelings. And they just continue to put more weight on me. And I realized I wasn't growing spiritually. I wasn't giving it to God. I wasn't doing anything to get rid of the feelings. As a matter of fact, I was just feeling sorry for myself. And what began to take place was bitterness started to grow like a plant inside of my heart. It grew big. And I started to get bitter against people that I used to hang out with that maybe I disconnected from. And I began to disconnect myself from the church. I started to back away. I didn't want to hang out. I didn't want to do anything. And then I would just hold on to these feelings. I realized that that was probably the most suicidal thing I could do for my spirituality. That I was literally cutting myself from the vine. Cutting myself exactly from what I needed. I needed to go ask to go hang out with people. I needed to go be a friend, as Pastor Omar would say. Go, you want to find friends? Then go be a friend. And I started to implement myself into people's lives. And I, and I, I began to reconnect. And when I started to reconnect with people, I started to feel like I was part of the church. Like I was part of what God is trying to do in everyone's life. And I was going to be a piece of that history. See, when we start feeling lonely and abandoned, the last thing we need to do is continue to separate ourselves and not wait for people to call us, but rather pick up the phone. Go be a part of, of a connect group. Our church has been open, as Pastor Omar was saying. Our church has been open. We've been right here. We have been online. And as we come back together, the one thing I want us to do is just to appreciate when the churches are open or when the doors are open, but also appreciate every message that has been spoken on camera. Every message has been about hope. Every message has been for us to posture ourselves in front of Christ so that we don't feel loneliness and we don't feel abandoned, but that, we're wa that he's walking right next to us. The third person, of course, that I'd like to talk about is Christ. See, there was a moment in Scripture where we see Christ feel abandoned. And specifically, when he's on the cross, he gives a shout. And before he gives his last breath, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this is in Mark chapter 15, verse 33 through 34. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was a point in Jesus' life where for the first time, he has felt abandoned by the Father. There has been complete separation. He has taken on the sin of the world and that has separated him from the grasp of the Father. And he knew what it felt like to not be, to not be right next to the Father. And so he took on the sin of the world to feel that. But as I began to think and read about Christ's life and the events leading up to the cross, Christ knew that this was going to happen. He knew that he was going to be, be separated and so he started to feel these heavy feelings because he's 100% man and 100% God. He still felt the feelings. He knew the anxiety was coming. In Mark chapter 14, verse 34 to 36, he said, and he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. 
Remain here and keep watch. He's telling him, he's telling the disciples, remain here and keep watch because I got a heavy heart right now. Then the Bible goes on to say, and he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray if it were, uh, I'm sorry, he began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. This is Jesus begging the Father, Lord, can we find another way to do this because the pain is already heavy. What's about to happen and the separation, it's already heavy. It's already, it's already inside of me. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but you will. In other words, take this pain. I need to do your will. See, the one thing I love about the scripture is because Jesus reminds us that we need to practice the presence of the Father. We need to practice the presence of the Father. See, Church, there's a point in our lives where God is going to look at us to spiritually feed ourselves, to do the things that we know that are going to increase our spirit. There's not always going to be a sermon that's going to hit you the right way. There's not always going to be a Bible verse that is going to speak to you and tell you exactly what you need to do in your life. But rather, if you practice the presence of the Father, and when you're in the will of the Father, you start to feel that peace. You start to feel that joy and that loneliness and that abandonment begins to break away. And we call that freedom. And when people give their lives to the Lord at this altar, I've seen people weep. I've seen people begin to feel that freedom. And it's so emotional because they feel victory. Like they just won a championship. It's overwhelming. Everything that they've been fighting Every action that, 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 that took place that didn't fix the circumstance, it didn't take away the feelings, everything has been broken. Every chain has been broken. All the feelings now are coming back and they are all spiritual. Uh, Jesus, such an example in Luke 22, verse 44. Another part, it's the same scenario, but it, it's, it's in Luke, he writes it differently and I love this. It says in verse, uh, Luke 22, verse 42. It says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet my, not my will, but yours be done. And if you continue to read in verse 43, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Church, it was supernatural. Jesus begged for it. He got it. And, and an angel appeared and strengthened Jesus right then and there. The Father answered the prayer. But in verse 44, and being in anguish, he prayed even more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Imagine that. Imagine feeling so much pain that you start to sweat drops of blood. I remember I've been in pain to where I began to sweat, but it wasn't drops of blood. So I decided, you know what, how realistic is this? So I started to challenge my understanding of this. And I found this medical term called hematidrosis. Okay, I'm going to try to spell it because I'm probably butchering it. H-E-M-A. T-I-D-R-O-S-I-S. Okay, I'm going to try it again. Hematidrosis. And this is the sweating of blood due to stress. That loneliness, those feelings, that abandonment, the task that Jesus knew he had to take. He was so stressed out that he began to posture himself and, and, and just beg to the Father. 
And he began to release it through drops of blood. It, it, was, it was a release that was taking place. It was, it was something that was about to take place. Not only did the blood, was blood being shed on the cross, but it was before the cross. Jesus began to shed that blood because of the feelings and, and the anxiety that he was taking on. He knew that he was going to be abandoned. He knew he was going to feel separation from the Father. He knew the pain that he was about to feel, and he's going to choose God, and he's going to choose uh, the father because he knew that it was going to be the father that would deliver him from all those feelings when i think about jesus i think about that he's a healer he's a redeemer and he's a restorer but he's also a friend and i thought you know why do i consider christ a friend i consider christ a friend because i've talked to him and he's made me feel better i consider christ a friend because i've actually talked with him and he didn't say anything back but he gave me peace. I can actually talk to, I can actually call him a friend because when he's spoken to me, everything else just went away. I've had friends like that, like in realist, you know, friends physically like that, that have been there for me, that have listened to me. But I call Jesus a friend because he's able to deliver just as a, fr a friend that is standing right next to me has been delivered, has, has delivered me. And there are times where I can find a friend, I can pick up a phone, there are friends in my life I could pick up a phone and just tell them how I feel and they would feel better and I would feel better. There are times where maybe you even picked up and you talked to a family member and they've, they've given you some wise, wise words and you felt better. But in reality, the nice thing about Jesus is he's always with me. And if you've invited him into your life, he's walking right beside you, even during this time. And so I want to just call up the worship team up here as we, as we kind of end this and we close this and, and I want you to think, those of you that are watching, I talked, to, I talked to you about three different people, Jeremiah, Paul, and Jesus. See, church, there's one thing I'm going to tell you and be real with you is you're going to have those feelings. I'm not sitting here or standing here to lie to you, but you're going to have those feelings of abandonment and loneliness in your life. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the friends in the world, but you're going to have those feelings because those feelings are the feelings that are really going to get you in touch with God. And that's the process I'm talking about. I don't want us to think that we shouldn't practice the presence of the Father. We should be practicing the presence of God all the time. Because at those times, we can really learn from, uh, with our relationship with God. We can learn how to get back in those moments. There's one thing I've learned in my own spiritual walk is that Sometimes I wait to the last minute to call upon God. Sometimes I wait to the last minute to insert God into a feeling that I have or to insert him into a circumstance that I'm going through. And I'm telling you that you need to insert that and practice that constantly so that way when the time comes, you could just snap your fingers and go right into prayer, just like Jesus did. And he told the disciples, wait here. I'm going over here to pray. And man, was that prayer intense where he began to pray the drops of blood. See, it's that, it's that complete surrenderance I'm talking about. And now I want to talk to, to those of you that maybe you're, you're struggling. You know, you know Jesus, but it's a battle. I'm right there with you. It's a battle that I, that, I, that I frequently battle all the time. And I just want to pray with you. If you're feeling lonely or you're feeling that, you know what, I haven't felt God, that this pandemic and, and everything that's taken place it really put me in a bad spot spiritually. And in reality, I, I'm here to tell you that God didn't walk away from you. 
God wants to be there right beside you. So if that's you, I want you just to lift your hands, Christians. Just lift your hands right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are out there, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that you'd begin to to make yourself real to them, Father. That they would feel your presence. That they would understand that you're wrapping your arms around them right now, Father. That they don't need to feel abandoned. That they don't need to feel lonely, Lord. But that they could feel reassured and rest with you, Father. I pray that you would just anoint them, Lord. Strengthen them, Father. Just like you strengthened Jesus, I pray that you give them that same strength, Lord, and that they would feel your Holy Spirit and that they would feel anointed by you, Father. Lord, make yourself real to them, Father, and get them through these tough times, Lord, and give them the peace and the comfort and the restoration that you've promised. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.